This is the MBK Beat with Mark Kashevsky from MBK and Associates Inc. Your place for finding all you need to know about life insurance and how you can get more out of your money. Recorded live here in Buffalo, New York, it's time for the MBK Beat with Mark Kashevsky. Hey, folks. Welcome to the seventh episode of the MBK Beat with Mark Kashevsky. I'm your co-host, Jeremy, along with the expert here, Mark Kashevsky, owner of MBK and Associates, Inc. And who are we talking to today on the seventh episode, Mark? Well, our audience today really are credit union CEOs or chairmen of the board of, of credit unions and or C-level, that is, senior management executives of credit unions. We obviously, we should obviously thank anybody who's returning for this episode. We talked to a lot of different groups of people. Obviously, today we're talking to the top, specifically credit union CEOs, board chairmen, and C-level executives. So what, what do we have to offer today? Well, the, the topic for today, uh, Jeremy, is uh, SERPs, Supplemental Executive Retirement Plans for Credit Union C-level Executives. And uh, what we try to accomplish with these, this executive benefit is to really three things. Uh, first, it's a recruiting and retention tool for credit unions in today's marketplace. Uh, what you have happening is a, is a uh, consolidation and growth both in the community banking and credit union spaces. And you, there's, there's competition for management talent. Uh, years ago, credit unions were mom-and-pop operations. I used to be the president of a credit union 30 years ago. And, you know, it was out of a food co-op. And, you know, we set up the table at the co-op, and people had their passbooks, and we did... You know, they did their banking, we, et cetera, but it was really si- real simple stuff. And now uh, credit unions are extremely large, and, they, you know, they, they're, they're doing multiple types of, of transactions, uh, mortgages, commercial mortgages, uh, various types of lending, credit cards, a lot of different services, so that the... Uh, their 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 reach and the complexity really demands a higher level of uh, competence at the management level. So these types of plans help recruit and retain people. Uh, and you're also you're seeing a generational shift uh, that I've noticed in C level CEOs at credit unions that are you know retiring, and who's going to be the next person in line. And that's a huge issue, that, that transition uh, succession issue for, for these organizations. These plans can help as part of the solution to that. The second thing, these plans, these supplemental executive retirement plans accomplish is filling the gap that these executives have in these organizations with respect to their retirement benefits. What do I mean by that? Well... Uh, most your most of your credit unions typically now have 401k and or profit sharing plans to fund retirements for their for their for their employees, and for their their staff and line employees, the amount of money that the credit union can put away and uh, employees can match and put away 
will, in most cases, projected out at a certain interest rate, provide a benefit which, together with Social Security, will get them 60, 70 percent or more of their pre-retirement income. That's not going to happen with the top-level, high co- highly compensated executives, because there are limits on what everybody can put away into those plans. I was just talking to a, a CFO at a credit union, who's maybe the guy next in line, and he said I had to take, they had to give me back six thousand dollars last year. I had to take it back. I can't put enough money away, and. These plans really help. Ma- they 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 fill that gap and make up for that restriction, so that you can project sixty to seventy percent funding uh, for the executives with these plans, together with what the Social Security and four hundred one k does. Uh, so, the, uh, filling the gap is the second uh, benefit: recruiting, retention, filling the gap. The third benefit uh, is really for the credit union. Uh, these plans, or the plans we utilize anyway, uh, will improve the uh, credit union's uh, balance sheet and P&L. In other words, this will improve their performance. Uh, the way our plans are structured, they're not an expense to the credit union. Uh, they're a performing asset, and we'll get into the details of that. But uh, So there's so, there's something there for everybody, recruiting, retention, uh supplemental retirement to fill this gap for the executives and improve performance for the credit union. Yes, and that's, as I just sort of was diagramming myself here as you were talking, it seems as though the business as a whole benefits the the top level or, you know, CEO or employer, that that peace of mind. And then, obviously, the employee or every, you know, those that the employee and employer sort of being engaged in both sort of areas at the top there obviously it seems like everybody's winning in this scenario which doesn't always seem to work out that way so how the hell you know how the hell does this work how the heck how the heck does this work how does everybody win here employer correct you on your language (laughs) excuse me we'll edit that out (laughs) um well um it's it's fairly straightforward number one the credit union that decides, you know, this is something we need to take a look at and address for any one of these three, re- or all of these reasons, first needs to identify who's the management group they want to cover. Who does this impact? Uh, you know, in smaller smaller credit unions, it may be only one or two executives, the CEO and the next one in line. For larger groups, you know, I've done plans with six, eight employees, executives, you're talking about the head of HR, the CFO, the CEO, the uh, VP in charge of loans and credit, uh, et cetera. So you, you have five or six. I really recently did a plan where they include the senior IT person. That's a big issue. Because they could be very they, – they, they could be your savior. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you, know, you, you identify the group. Uh, n- define what the problem is, what is the gap to get you from what existing benefits, meaning Social Security and 401k contributions, uh, are going to get to at a projected retirement date, at a projected salary at that date, and that you, you, know, you project forward, and 
what's the what what is the gap? So, for example, if if my retirement benefit uh, we're projecting is going to be a hundred thousand at that point, based on some assumptions, inflation assumptions and salary increase assumptions, and Social Security and 401k is only going to provide fifty thousand, and I need a hundred to get to that seventy percent. Your that gap is fifty thousand a year. What's it going to cost to fund a supplemental retirement plan for me to get me there? And that's then we just once we've identified the group, identified the problem, uh, we then say, okay, how can we fund this plan? I would also mention that in some cases I've had I've had a uh, different approach where as opposed to really getting that specific about the, f- the problem or the gap, uh, I will have, I've had credit unions say, listen, we have this pot of money to spend. Here's how we want to spend it on these executives. Whatever it buys, it buys. It's typically a defined contribution approach. The other one's kind of a defined benefit approach. But we can do it either way. But who are we covering? What's the, what's the problem? What's the cost to solve the problem? Uh, and, and, or do, or do we, we have an amount of money we're trying to allocate to solve the problem? And then, you know, how do we fund it? Right. And then, so I assume that there's sort of different options, but... There's two. There's essentially two options. Okay. So what, what would those be? Uh, you're either talking about funding a, a supplemental retirement plan under... Internal Revenue Code 457F or under a collateral assignment split dollar plan, which is also regulated by various sections of the code and by regulation. And both these plans are deemed permissible by the NCUA, the governing body for credit unions. Which one? If there's two, I'm assuming then one of them's probably got to be better than the other well then well that may or may not be true i in this case it probably is true uh 457f plans uh, are funding strategies that can include investments and or insurance contracts or both funded by the credit union it's an expense to the credit union and uh, uh most of the 457f plans typically have investment risk tied to these plans. So that you can have losses that either are borne by the executive or the credit union may make them up. So you've got an expense, you've got some investment issues. And at retirement, uh, the, and there is no vesting under these plans. So that's the third issue with these plans. And at retirement, when the money's turned over to the executive, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's basically a, a lump sum transaction those funds are taxable mm. at retirement. In one big lump sum. In one big lump sum. So you have an expense, you have uh, potential investment risk, and you have uh, a lump sum tax taxable payment at retirement. And finally, uh, uh, two years ago, in 2017, uh, this provision was put in the tax code that didn't exist until... And it took effect in 2018, uh, section, Code Section 4960. And it said that when you're paying these executive benefits out, the year you pay them out, and this, you have to add all this money up, and including the last year's salary, and if that 
amount gets over a certain amount, there's a 21% excise tax to the employer, regardless of their tax status. In other words, even though credit unions are mostly organized under 501c3, not-for-profit section of the code, they are subject to a 21% tax. And a lot of these organizations with these plans don't even know that. It applies to hospitals, uh, banks, uh, universities, and credit unions. Mm. And it's, it's uh, stealth taxation, as I call it. Now, the other approach is, is, is something known as collateral assignment split dollar. Uh, this is where uh, you purchase uh, the, the credit union purchases, actually the individual owns and purchases a life insurance policy to fund all these benefits. And the credit union loans the executive the money pursuant to an agreement and an assignment of the policy to the credit union to protect the credit union. And that money is treated as a loan and as a performing asset, and it's not an expense. So it's not an expense, but it's a performing asset. And that is booked on an accrual basis until the executive dies, at which point it's paid back out of the life insurance proceeds. In the interim, the executive acquires vesting rights in this in this pol- in, the, in the benefit which doesn't happen in the other plan there is no vesting can you define vesting quickly for the layman well AKA just, I'll, me. yeah i'll give you an example uh most of these plans are funded over 10 years and most of them the, the ones i'm involved with have a 10-year vesting there can be doesn't have to be that but that's typically what they're doing because they're trying to you know get people to hang in there okay so let's assume and i just had an executive i've got one right now who retired after five years? He was he was there long enough to get fifty percent vesting. He retired, and he wasn't eligible for the benefit until he was sixty-five or sixty-six. So he just turned sixty-six. So now we're going to start paying him fifty percent of what was originally promised to him. All right. Now in a four fifty-seven plan, uh, you can't do anything like that. Uh, what happens with when people leave early? They lose it. Typically, in a 457F plan, you got to be there the day you retire under the plan specifications to get anything. So that's what vesting is. Additionally, uh, there's there's a life insurance benefit involved, which not only covers the loan and the interest on the loan for the credit union, but there's there's enough uh, death benefit to provide an estate benefit for his family. So the, the, we're building up a supplemental retirement benefit with vesting rights and, a, and a, an estate benefit for the family. And uh, for younger executives, we're able to also build in a tuition assistance plan. I just wrote a case uh, on an executive on an existing plan, and they wanted to put that in there, and he has four daughters, God bless them. And we've got a 10-year tuition assistance plan that's going to pay $12,500 a year for 10 years to help them pay for these tuitions. Now, it's not going to pay for all of it, but that's what the plan can can tolerate uh, and still provide the retirement benefits. So we have that benefit. And finally, when the, when, the, when, when the benefit's paid out, it's paid out directly out of the contract, the life insurance contract. And uh, because of the way we structure these plans, the annual retirement benefit is not taxable. It's not taxable. 
It's like a Roth in that regard. And there is no 4960 issue with these plans. There's no potential excise tax. So for all these reasons, um, it's a performing asset. There's vesting, the ability to build intuition. There's estate benefits, retirement benefits, and non-taxable retirement benefits. Well, we feel this is a superior plan to a 457F plan. And as far as... Um as far as who this would be good for, we obviously are talking to anybody at the top of, of a credit union, but you mentioned younger people, but you also mentioned maybe people that are looking towards retirement soon. Is there is there too soon or too late for this sort of concept for, for a credit union? Or is this something that you know, obviously it, it fits certain people better than others. So, so, what sort of potential candidates do you think the collateral assignment split dollar plan is good for? Well, I would I would look. That's a good question, by the way. But generally speaking, there are three three groups of credit unions that you know, if you're listening, should call us. Got One it. is you don't have a plan, and you need you're you're trying to retain people and reward people at the management level. We have a we have a plan, number one. Number two, uh, if you have an existing 457F plan, we'd like to show you how to, re- how to reform that plan and repurpose those, those dollars to improve the efficiency by eliminating an expense, cr- creating a perform- an asset on your balance sheet, and providing a more efficient, tax-efficient benefit for your executives and eliminating this tax this stealth tra- tax trap that, you know, the government put in place in 4962 years ago. Uh, and thirdly, you know, a lot of these, a lot of split dollar plans were funded with whole life contracts over the years. And unfortunately, because of low interest rates, you know, the dividend histories have not held up. I mean, I had a, uh, recently a plan where we were projecting a uh, Almost a hundred thousand dollar benefit for the uh, the CFO in this company, in this credit union, and you know we're into the plan for five years, and it was funded with a whole life contract, uh, and we got the current values and projections based on current interest rates with the dividends and so on, and his benefit was almost cut in half. Now this guy is, you know, fifty, and five years into the plan, he's told. You're not going to get 100. You're going to get 50. And with the way interest rates are, you know that that, that nightmare's not ending. So we were able to to uh, uh, you know restructure the contract, do what's known as a 1035 exchange, and restore those benefits with a different type of insurance funding contract. So you can sort of adjust, evolve, retrofit a little bit, make move oh, some yeah. things around. Yeah, and that doesn't work all the time. There's some you know, uh, I've I've bumped into situations where pretty much you're stuck. We don't have enough time to 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 fix this, uh, or there's not enough money to fix it. Uh, you know, or you you know you have to be healthy, right? You're insurable. Uh, uh, you know, those are issues. So, uh, but there's a lot of there are, there are a lot of underperforming plans out there, split dollar plans. There's a lot of 457 plans which I think are inferior and have this tax risk associated with it. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. 
uh, for us to do some good uh, in, in that space. Yeah, and having someone like you to translate is something that I can't imagine a lot of people have. And I think, you know, I think that's something that clearly would be something that you would have to establish trust with, and, and people are probably not too apt to just turn this over to just anyone, which is why we do this podcast to well, sort you, of... You bring up a good, you bring up a good point. Um, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's the reality of the situation we're dealing with. Uh, there's, you know, there's the, the, the solutions and so on. But then, you know, how do you get from point A to point B? Right. And uh, what we pride ourselves in our, in our company about is the fact that we're able to, first of all, I, hope, I believe we're good at articulating these things so that people understand them. Because if you don't understand it, uh, you're not going anywhere, number one. Uh, number two, being able to assess how the decision-making process is made in a given organization. And they tend to be similar, but, you know, some organizations, it's the CEO making the decision, it's the board chairman, there may be a compensation committee, it may be a consensus-driven organization. You know, you have to find these things out, and you have to find out what, you know, What's the, what are the dynamics, and you know who need where you need to start, who needs to be brought in, and how do you get that final decision? Because ultimately, the board decides to do this, and then you have to go and implement it and execute it. And you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of back office stuff that goes into play, getting things in place, and then having the ability and the backup to do the, the, the long term administration. So we're, you know, we pride ourselves on the ability to help people with that, get through that process. Yeah, and again, just to sort of restate this, this podcast alone has been extremely beneficial for for our marketing, but also I think hopefully, it you sort of learn by teaching, as we know, if everyone's heard that age old saying. But this has been very productive in 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 providing our website mbkinc.co with with some more fruitful information. Yeah with the blog and these podcasts so so that you know these conversations and reaching the people that we that we need to reach is not always easy when when we're talking about such big grandiose yeah. moves um is there anything else that our audience needs to know about these plans yeah um i'd like to two things i'd like to summarize but uh, there is one other thing that i'm finding in the marketplace in this credit union space is there's a tremendous amount of liquidity at credit unions in other words they've got lots of cash and they can't deploy it all they can't loan it out for car loans and mortgages and other things and it's sitting in what they refer to as overnights earning next to nothing and not only can we uh you know do what we've told people in this podcast which i'd like to summarize in a minute but if there's a lump sum of money let's say we're going to fund a plan for an executive and the cost for that executive is fifty thousand a year or 100000 a year. Well, we can pre-fund that plan until we typically fund them over 10 years. Well, f- we can get that money all at once and um, uh, get them a discount at the insurance carrier level, so that help, that, that, that'll you know, get them anywhere from 1% to 3% additional return on that asset, given the discount. That's just dead money sitting right, there. dead money. And uh, book a bigger loan sooner that's accruing on their books. So we can deploy that asset. We can, instead of deploying it over 10 years, we can deploy it all up front. And keeping uh, the other thing, I, and I tell the CFOs, well, we're going to write the big check 
to pay this all at once. Uh, well, that money's liquid because it, it, it goes from a, 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 an escrow account that's earning some interest that the credit union benefits, but it's also and it's being deployed over that ten-year period, so they don't lose the liquidity on that money either. Right. So unlike a mortgage, they're getting a deployed asset uh, in you know uh, uh, interest earnings on it, and they still have liquidity. It's a really interesting uh, uh, benefit. So uh, uh, that's my that's my you know one final point on that. But to summarize, I would say, you know. You, credit unions that are looking to recruit and retain, uh, that have maybe an existing plan, they'd like to have, look do an audit of that plan, uh, or they've got a lot of liquidity. We should be talking, because we can we can deliver, you know, some good advice, assessment, and advice. And if if the if the situation, the facts and circumstances are, you know, what we've laid out, we can really really do some good or improve on what they currently have well thank you mark uh that's all i had for today i think this has been another great episode this is obviously episode seven uh if you're listening once again please please let someone know if you feel that they would benefit you can subscribe pretty much anywhere audio podcasts are found and if you want to talk to mark you know go ahead and visit mbkinc.co or you can email at info info at co. And I guess we'll see us off today, but we'll see you pretty soon here for episode eight. Can't wait. All right, Mark, have a good one.